because I was such, you know, you know, I was so depressed, like to dangerous levels. Um, like you got to worry about me levels. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't care about anything. Like it was the first time in my life where I gave up and through giving up, I went to a tournament, uh, without caring much without like, you know, trying to control everything. And I went and won the damn thing. Like I won Fargo out of nowhere. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Happy Friday to you. We've been on the road all this week recording interviews for our next audio documentary that I can't announce yet, but I'll be announcing soon. And so I apologize for getting our second episode of the week out on Friday. We got Joe Rao on the show today. Joe is a Chicago legend. He's a multiple-time world team member for the Greco team, and he was just involved in a highly controversial match at the 2021 Olympic team trials. He was in the finals, and a travesty happened, folks. Go online, watch the match, see for yourself. And in this episode, we hear about Joe's background. We hear about his thoughts on that match and what's next for the great Joe Rao. Folks, this episode is brought to you by the Spartan National Wrestling Championships going down in Jacksonville, Florida, May 20th through the 23rd. If you live in the Southeast or know someone who does, get this tournament in front of them. It's the first tournament that Spartan Combat's holding. Go to SpartanCombat.com to register. Fan of the Week goes to Devin out of Danville, Illinois, wrestling for Storm Youth Wrestling Club. He's a huge Spencer Lee fan and an avid wrestler in the IKWF circuit. Thanks for listening, Devin. We appreciate it. And that's it, folks. Let's get to the interview with the great Joe Rao. So you've had a crazy uh, last month, but before we get to some of the current events, I got to know your story a little bit better, man. You know, I grew up in Illinois. I've heard your name a ton. Kind of walk us through your introduction to wrestling and how you got to Elmhurst. Yeah, so there's a lot of crazy stuff that happened in between those two moments. <laughs> but uh, I got into wrestling when I was six years old. And like a lot of good wrestlers, they got in around that age. But I didn't have a wrestling family. Um, I'm actually a distant relative to Steve Marinetti. Um, like he's like my my dad's second cousin or cousin or something. So I don't know what that makes me and him but uh (laughs) (laughs) but uh I didn't really know him I only saw him once at a funeral but I actually got into the wrestling um because of my neighbor I had a neighbor who was like a brother to me and his dad was uh from Poland and it's pretty crazy uh the way the way it all, all worked out you know his dad got me into wrestling because I was always getting in fights and stuff over like basketball games and uh and baseball games and like our our front yard you know, for a city, for a city house, we had this huge front yard. Our, our house was in the back, you know, the back of the lot. And like, everybody would play games in my front yard and they'd tell me I couldn't play. I'm like, you're in my yard. They treated it like a park. Dang. <laughs> so I was always getting in fights and I was like the runt of the neighborhood. I was like the youngest kid and I was always trying to hang out with my brother and his friends. So this guy kept seeing me um, getting in fights over pickup games of other sports. And he's like, you gotta, you gotta wrestle. And, uh, he kept kind of bothering my parents about like letting me wrestle. And this was around like stone cold days. So I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, like, like 
those those golden years i mean i look at them as golden years of, of pro wrestling like 90s you know and uh <laughs> i wanted to do it and uh it was something totally different uh they took me to a chicago park like one-off day of like wrestling introduction and i just mm -hmm. was so aggressive i all the kids were running away from me and all the kids are in the class just running away from me the whole the whole time and then he was like yeah you got to get this guy in a real team so they like went back to my neighbor and they're like yeah you could take him to your team and he took me to like uh, a lot of practices and tournaments um from then till i was like maybe you know 11 ish and then this is the crazy part was that he got arrested and deported um and he was in the polish mob and i didn't know that oh <laughs> None of us knew that but uh i, I thought he was gonna him. be like some like olympic wrestler or something but okay so he's in the polish mob gets deported was that like a big Im impact on you or you kind of like just so wrapped up in middle school you were doing your own thing yeah it was hard on me it was definitely hard on his son and his son was like my brother um you know yeah it was it was hard because uh you know i i had a lot of people impact my life in wrestling so it wasn't the only person I leaned on. I leaned on all kinds of people, not, you know, mm -hmm. and I always looked at it as a disadvantage, not being from a wrestling family. But now I look back at it and it was a huge advantage, you know, because I always loved wrestling. I was always chomping at the bit. I always wanted to be there. Like, I remember being on teams where I was the only kid who's like, you know, who wanted to be there. Everybody else was like, my dad made me wrestle. And I just never understood it. Uh, I, I always just loved wrestling. But yeah, so I had a lot of good people in my life. But yeah, none of it was family. It was all like guys like that guy. And, uh, you know, I think if he had opportunities that I had, he wouldn't be in that line of work. You know, he came here <laughs> as a teenager. He barely spoke the language. You know, he's this big muscular wrestler, dude. Yeah, of course, he's just going to be the muscle for <laughs> some bad guys. And he's got to make money. And um, so I actually went and saw him when I made my first world team. I, I went out to Poland. I hadn't seen him in years. And I went out and saw him and just thanked him for like everything he ever did for me, you know, because I felt like I owed my life to this guy because he got me into wrestling. Dang, and um, he's never been back to the States since then, huh? No, no, he went to, uh, yeah, and I almost like, I, I've talked about this openly a few times. I'm like, man, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but I never like name his name or whatever, but, but like the people yeah. that you know, people know um, who I'm talking about who are actually from the family or from the neighborhood. But um, yeah, it was crazy. And I just like telling the story because um, it's part of my story and, mm -hmm. uh, and it's, and it is nuts. And, and uh, it is wild that we had somebody in the Polish mob right next to us. And that was such a good guy to me. Like, and it just shows that like, not everybody is all good and not everybody's all bad. And, you know, I don't look down on him for anything, you know, that he may or may not have done. It, to me, he was always just a great supportive guy. He loves sports. And I think he would have loved the opportunities I got today, you know, to be paid to What did he say when you got over there? Was he like, dude, I can't believe you're on the national team? Or was he following you? He was super proud, of man. He was super proud to see me, like, got the USA singlet, and I, I made it, and he's crazy, and he's been following it, and it's nuts. And, yeah, he, he was just he was just super happy with me. I don't think he thought he would ever see me again. And uh, he just can't believe, like, how far I've come. I don't think anybody – believes it because yeah more about my story is that i was crazy ambitious and uh never really <laughs> crazy successful <laughs> you know uh, um i think the best i did was i took like fourth at junior state as a kid and i was going to you know figuring things out as i went i was always doing off-season stuff like always going to camps always going to practices and tournaments like anything i could find wrestling um a lot of the a lot of the way I had a lot of people help me out um, financially because uh, my parents couldn't pay for things. Mm -hmm. or, you know, a lot of times uh, it was just people, you know, basically, you know, giving me charitable donation just to like, yeah, you can come in our room or yeah, I'll help you pay for the tournament or or like going door to door just to fundraise for tournaments and stuff. So, um, but yeah, and. Uh, you know, when I got to high school, I just yeah, wanted to be ahead. a state champ. Yeah, I just wanted to be a state champ so bad. And I was kind of one of those kids that came in every every year and was like, I'm going to be a state champ. And I worked that hard. I like, you know, like looking back and and 
you know, it's not good to compare yourself to anybody, but I worked just as harder, harder than anybody I knew, you know, at, on that level. And I just wasn't, I was good. I just wasn't like reaching those, like, you know, those higher levels that, that one like step higher that everybody wants, you know, to be a state champ and, uh, and more, I never was able to get there. I, I only qualified for state once. I didn't even make the varsity team as a freshman, which was like a huge shot. Um, and, uh, and then the, the next three years I would go on to win, I think like 110 matches or something in just three seasons, but I only qualified for state once. Uh, I still want to be a state champ. I still thought I could be a state champ, even though I was definitely not the favorite. Um, and, uh, I went on two and, uh, I was devastated and I went into a big dark hole and I almost didn't come out. And this is another reason why Rulon is one of my heroes. I, I gained about 60 pounds or more. You know, my, my, my graduation picture they take at the starting of the year. And I had a shaved head and I was 160 because I like wrestled Fargo 160 that summer. And then by the time I walked the stage, I think I was, uh, you know, more than 60 pounds. I think I was like 245 and I had what? long hair. So it was like, you're like looking at the thing at graduation. You're like, who's that guy? Did he eat the other guy? Like, what the, who is that? So from yeah, state so. in February at Assembly Hall through May, you had gained 65 pounds? No, like, so from state, I went 189. But I'm saying okay. that we took our graduation pictures in the starting of the year. So not gotcha. like state time. Like, like, we just came back after the summer. And I made 160 for Fargo my junior year. And so then... I ended up going 189 that year, um, you know, you know, football slash wrestling. I kind of like bumped up, you know, football wanted me to get bigger, whatever. I bumped up to 189, which I still had a cut for. Um, but the year before, yeah, I was wrestling 160 um, in high school and I wrestled 160 at Fargo. And by the time I walked the stage for graduation, you know, after not, you know, placing at state at 189, I was so depressed that like, yeah, I went from being a straight A student to like them almost kicking me out of the school a couple of times in the last, you know, I was so depressed. And I told Steve I'd come to Elmhurst, but I really don't know where my head was at. At one, at one point, I just dropped out of college. Um, and uh, at one point, I was going to join the Army. And at one point, I was like, um, yeah, just all kinds of crazy ideas. I was going to move out to Boise. Um, but uh but yeah, my dad was in Afghanistan at the time. And uh, like a lot of my adolescent years, I didn't have like a father figure there just because my dad was always going on tours. And then soon my older brother, who he got into uh, a lot of trouble. Then he went in the army and then he was doing tours. So I was kind of on my own and I was also helping raise my, my baby brother. He was 11 years younger than me. And so a lot of those like adolescent years, I look back and I didn't realize that a lot of it, I don't think was a work ethic thing or like wanting it or anything like that. I think that I was having a pretty hard time in life and I didn't really realize that I didn't have much control over everything, you know, and, and maybe I didn't handle all those things in a healthy way. Instead, you know, um, I put a lot more pressure than needed on like winning and stuff like that. And anyways, it, I did not have the success I wanted. I was super depressed. Um, I was like, yeah, probably 250 pounds. Um, and my brother came home. He retired from the army after a couple tours. And he was like, what the fuck are you doing? Sorry, I, I don't mean what? to swear. It's but, okay. but but yeah, uh, I was sometimes not even going to school anymore. And I would just come home. And like, I mean, the norm for me is I'm, I'm part of more than one wrestling club in the off season. You know, I'm going to like, I'm, I'm fluctuating wrestling practice. I'm like staggering them. Like I got like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I go to this club, Tuesday, Thursday, I go to this club on, you know, mm -hmm. Saturday, Sunday, I go to the tournaments or practice. And, and I was part of like, I was part of so many different wrestling rooms, you know, I was going, that was the norm for me. And, uh, you know, he came home and I was just laying in bed all the time. Uh, you know, sometimes I wouldn't go to school or sometimes I'd just like, come home from school and I just I just go to sleep and uh Dude, and, you were uh, hurting just, huh yeah and uh I had all this wrestling stuff all around my walls and my in my in my room my whole life 
and I basically ripped everything down and destroyed all the trophies and all the pictures that I had. And, and I think that was another big lesson of mine is like, I had so many idols in wrestling. Uh, I put too many people up on a pedestal and like, I kind of learned a lot of lessons from a dark place and uh, I kind of ripped everything off my wall and destroyed everything I have ever done or anything I, you know, idolizing past accomplishments or idolizing like other figures in wrestling. And, you know, I threw it all in the middle of my room and destroyed it in like a crazy rage, but like, but um, a lot of my biggest lessons were like from the darkest place ever, but my brother just got me back in the gym. He's like, all right, you don't got to wrestle anymore but like, let's get you back in the weight room. Let's like get you mm -hmm. working out because you look unhealthy, <laughs> you know? And, um, uh, so thank God were, my, like, before we go further, I just love to know outside of not putting people on pedestals and putting too much pressure on yourself, what were some of those lessons that you gained from uh, that place? Yeah. To stop looking at rankings, to stop trying to control things that I can't control. Like that, that was the big one is, is uh, and like I was talking about this a little bit. I talk about it a lot. Like I had a phenomena like happen to me at Fargo that the the summer following that like I now kind of understand a little bit because I had a coach always talk to me about it when I was at Minnesota Storm. He was a world champ, Mike Houck, and he would always say the art of performance is training like it's the end of the world, like giving it everything you got. But then when you go to compete, just don't give a crap, you know. And uh, I think that a lot of us, we try and control every part of it. We try and give ourselves every advantage. We try and like plan everything out. And because I was such, you know, you know, I was so depressed, like to dangerous levels, um, like you got to worry about me levels. Um, I didn't care about anything. Like it was the first time in my life where I gave up and through giving up, I went to a tournament uh, without caring much, without like, you know, trying to control everything. And I went and won the damn thing. Like I won Fargo out of nowhere. And you won um, Fargo. Yeah, I that won summer. Fargo that summer. That summer. What and weight? I wasn't training. 215. Holy was Medlin just going ballistic or what? Who's your coach? Well, Medlin, Medlin didn't pick me. I, I was such a I was such a dark horse that I was the last overall pick um out of all the guys on Fargo. Like I go and coach Fargo, I go back. So I see how it works out. We have so many kids. We basically each coach like drafts, like each way, you know, they get their pick. Oh, I was really? the last overall pick. Yeah. And so like nobody wanted me. Medlin, not that Medlin didn't want me, but he just, you know, I nobody thought I was going to do well. You know, all the coaches want to pick guys who they think are going to go deep into the tournament, you know, or if they have a like personal relationship with the guy. So me and Medlin's relationship really grew after I won Fargo. Like I knew him and he helped me out, but like we really grew after I won Fargo. At the time, I just was like, who's this fat, fat kid, you know? <laughs> you what, know about, I, uh, what about Mike Powell? Did you know, have a relationship with him at all at that time? Yeah, Mike, Mike thought I died, you know? Like he seriously, he joked about it, but he was like, he's used to seeing me constantly in their wrestling, like, I, I went to St. Patrick High School, which is on Austin and Belmont, and we didn't do much off-season stuff. Like, I was, like, the only guy um, that did off-season stuff. So I basically was an adopted Husky, as Mike would say. I was always in Oak Park room, always wrestling, grapple, and freestyle with them. And that summer, they didn't see me, like, after the season. And they were just, like – I remember showing up, like, the week of Freestyle State. Like, literally the first time I'm on the mat since February, I, I just, like – I'm looking at forums about who may be at freestyle state. And it's funny because one of the things that was going on was that 215 was a weaker weight class and 189 was a weight class I was in. And then like halfway through the year, a lot of the 189s like bumped up to 215 and had a lot of success. And I stayed put at 189 because I didn't want to feel like I was running from anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't want to water down like all state metal. I wanted like, tough bracket i wanted to like do something big whatever but i was kind of salty about it so i saw some of those guys were going to be at freestyle state so i was like i gotta make 215 and uh, i went to freestyle state and i won it for the first time just not working out but mike saw me that week and he was like i thought you died you know but yeah mike powell taught me greco mike powell you know he's one of the those those people in my life that just came up so big for me and and then and in ways that he would do for anybody. But to me, it was like, 
it was game changing. But that's just the kind of person he is. He does he does this kind of stuff for a lot of people. Yeah. He's just one of those people that that I, I don't know. There, there's something special about him to where he can help such a wide range of people and uh, and not even know who he's really helping. You know, I was kind of just a guy that was always showing up on his own their practice room and and I was eating up everything he was saying from the first time I met him, you know, and he helped me out so much. And then when he found out I was for real, he helped me more and more, you know, and then that relationship never ended. You know, when I was at Elmhurst college, he was still, I would still come to, you know, help out at Oak park and help out with team Illinois. And, and he was always helping, you know, helping me mentoring me. And he still does. He's incredible. Especially if you don't, if you're one of those kids like you, where you don't have a strong father figure, you go to a practice at Oak Park and hear Mike Powell yelling at people. You're like, oh, I got to get my act together. Like this guy's for <laughs> real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, yeah, my dad, my dad was a man. He just, he wasn't there a lot yeah. when I, when in those years. And those are hard years to not have any, you know, have anybody there. Yeah. And, and, and that's really, yeah, in a weird way, that's, that's really, I guess, the sport of wrestling i found people um to be that guy for me and even if they didn't know they were you know like i don't think my pal knew the impact he had on me until later on in life mm-hmm. like i was eating up every word he was saying and i was I, you know especially in the starting i was an outsider so it was just like keep my mouth shut and ears open and listen to everything this guy has to say and i mean he introduced me to positivity how ridiculous is that like i never even thought about being positive until i met mike powell like everything was negative for me it was all just suffer and old world wrestling thoughts like suffer through the pain and never tell yourself you're good it's like punishment 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 like he introduced me to the concept of positivity which is ridiculous but yeah i didn't really have a lot of it was always negative reinforcement. If you did well, you, you should have done better kind of thing. And uh, I think that's really bad for my personality type, you know? That is an old way to think about it, though. And you look at guys now, it just seems like a refreshing take on on competing and, and having fun out there. And, not, and that's a super broad generalization. But, yeah, man, back in those days, it was the dungeon mentality, right? Uh, yeah. So, how, so after you went Fargo, and this is a facetious question, but – you went Fargo, then you go on this, then you never have a down, downturn again. But obviously that's not the case because you thought about leaving Elmhurst. So what happened after you won Fargo to like your college career? Why were you like, why did you maybe quit college or after having such a high like that of winning Fargo? Yeah, it was just crazy. And I just, I just chalk it up to being in a dumb 18 year old, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I didn't get recruited by anybody, man. Like literally I got a letter sent to my high school, like not, you know, not even to my house by Elmhurst college. And it wasn't even like special to me. It was just to every senior on my high school team. That was my recruiting experience. I got a letter from Elmhurst college and so did every other senior on my high school team. Mm -hmm. And I just went, I met, you know, I met Steve, you know, I've met him a couple of times. Met Steve. Like we ate a sandwich, we walked across campus in a couple minutes, and I shook his hand. I was like, "All right, I'll come here." That that was my recruiting process, and you know, I had dreams my whole life of wrestling D one, of being a D one NCAA champ, and all this stuff like that. And like I said, I've always been working on that level. You know, like all mm-hmm. of my friends, they were going on to D one schools, like all the people I surrounded myself with, and they were going to be all Americans or NCAA champs. And it was just like, damn, you know. So I was, and a lot of this was learning you know, how rich a D3 wrestling experience could be. I just had no idea. I was just a punk 18 year old, like any other 18 year old. It's all like D1 or bust, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's all kids think. And that's all I thought. But, you know, after winning Fargo, I like all American and freestyle too. So all of a sudden I have some like last second um, opportunities to go to other places. Um, and one of them was uh, Ivan Ivanov moved out to Idaho and they were starting a thing out there. So I actually dropped out of college during orientation. <laughs> we were like we were like a day or two into orientation. I just I just withdraw from the college and I pawn everything I own and uh I'm just gonna move to Boise and wrestle Greco. <laughs> and uh, wow. and uh because I was actively trying to go to northern Michigan and all these other places, just nobody wanted me. 
and uh and uh and uh yeah so what so happened when you got out there i never got out there um oh, shit. i I like, I'm talking to Justin Reese and uh, I'm getting everything set up and I'm super pumped. But like, the thing is college wasn't a given if I went out there, it was kind of like, yeah, you come out here, you work in a year, you'll be able to get in-state tuition at Boise state and it'll be really cheap. But you know, we don't have like any kind of school like affiliation to our program. We're just out here wrestling Greco and, but it was studs out there, you know, it was like Jake Kirby and Chaney hate and, you know, Jordan Holm and, and Justin Reese. And, and like, it would have been really good for me, but all those guys already had a degree and I was just an 18 year old pudgy kid. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure it would have been amazing, but I wouldn't have gotten a de degree. And I'm the only one in my immediate family still that has a degree. Like mm -hmm. none of my siblings or parents have a degree. So, and I was, I was actually a good student. Um, and so it wouldn't, wasn't going to be like crazy for me personally to get a degree, but like, I just wanted to wrestle, you know? So I yeah. And at some points I almost joined the military, but like, yeah, I, I drop out of school and I get like a call from my dad through a satellite phone because he's in Afghanistan and he just like, he finds out about it somehow. I don't know. Like got my grandpa, my dad and everybody calling me like, like somebody's got to talk this kid into going back to college, you know, and basically called me and was like, listen, idiot, like get your degree, you know? And, uh, and so I listened, actually, this is one of the times I listened to somebody. <laughs> but, so did you go back that semester or take one off and then go? No, I went right back. Like I went right back and, uh, you know, Steve was pissed off about it and way, you know, you know, talk about rocky start you know Steve, steve's excited about me he, he recruits me he gets me he's like all right state qualifier and then the high of like whoa this guy won nationals he just you know all american freestyle this kid's way better than we thought and then i just withdraw from the college so from steve's standpoint it was like i betrayed him but you know like i don't think he knew how like bad i was doing and then i just won and then i just hit like the highest high after the lowest low and i was 18 and stupid so but I stayed and it was, it was amazing when I How got good did it feel to win Fargo that year after all that shit you had gone through, man, it was crazy. Like it, it, it seriously felt like it, there was some kind of intervention. Uh, it was, it was kind of like God was grabbing me and telling me like, Hey, this wasn't all for nothing. Like all that hard work you put in, like, let's get back to it. Like you, you can be successful. You can be the wrestler you dreamed about being. Because to be honest, like I didn't have a lot of people telling me I could. And, and like the worst person was, you know, myself, like, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that was just a moment where I let go of the steering wheel and, and I won and I won like a really big tournament. And, and that's crazy because it's like, Hey, maybe there's something to letting go of the steering wheel. Maybe there is something to being positive and believing in myself. And, and, you know, I wouldn't even say I believed in myself at a tournament. I just, I just uh, had no cares, <laughs> you know? And so then the belief in myself started to come and that I could be a good wrestler. And it was an amazing feeling. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's always going to be probably the best moment of my wrestling life. And it doesn't matter even if I was to win an Olympic gold medal, I don't think anything could really top that, you know? <laughs> it's like if you would have, if someone would have told you like that Saturday night, or whatever day at high school state. So let's say it's Friday night at Illinois state tournament. You're Owen to your absolute rock bottom sobbing. And if someone would have said, Hey dude, five months from now, you're going to be the Fargo champ. What would you have said? Yeah. I wouldn't have believed him at all. Man. <laughs> That's just crazy. All. It's awesome yeah. how the, it works out like that though. I mean, you had to go through that to get to that high place. So how did you do in college once after that first semester, did you lock in after that? Yeah, I locked in. Um, I immediately was this loudmouth freshman that was like not going to take crap from any of the seniors. And uh, for, so for the first half of the year, everybody hated me. <laughs> and, then, and then they found out that I was for real. And I think halfway point through the season, I think I'm like 500 or something. And then I just kind of take off, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so like even 
what was really good about D3 wrestling is there are no red shirts. And if you're good enough, you start right away. So I started right away. I figured a lot out and um, yeah, right away, you know, like halfway through the season, I kind of saw that, Hey, I could be successful with this. I kind of had to take a couple of licks to be like, Hey, this is D3, but if you don't, if you don't try your, your, your hardest, you're going to be nobody on this level. Like I wanted to be somebody on the D1 level mm-hmm. and you come in with this chip on your shoulder or whatever. And um, you think you're better than D3 and then you wrestle D3 and you see it with a lot of guys who come down from D1, you know, they think they're too good for this level and then they lose to some people. And But like, yeah, I took a lot of licks and then I was like, Hey, this is, you know, I got to work my butt off and I could be successful at this level and at, at any level. And that's kind of what Steve told me, you know, he's like, when you're moving your hands and your feet, you can beat anybody, anybody, you know, mm-hmm. any level. And uh, I started to believe that. And I started to work tremendously hard. Um, Steve is kind of like a Yoda. Uh, he's, he's a little guru and, and his personality works perfectly for my personality because he's kind of like, he'll, he'll, he's going to, show you how to do it but you got to do it you know Mm -hmm. he's not gonna like make you do anything if you want to be if you want to be like a chump i mean steve will get out of your way but if you want to be a champion he's gonna help you help push you you know and and it's just his personality and it's perfect for me because i'm kind of like a cat when sometimes when you tell me what to do too many times i'm gonna be like you know what even i don't want to do that even though i know what it's like the right thing to do you know Mm -hmm. like so he kind of was, uh, he gave me room to really be myself. And, um, yeah, I, I went and found people that could beat me up and, uh, I beat up a lot of the guys in my room and then I would just actively going out and just like high school, I was knocking on every door and I was in all these high school rooms, wrestling Greco and coaching Greco. And then I kept knocking on the door of the Olympic training center and they wouldn't let me in for a while. And then they finally let me in and I like completely fund the whole thing. And I fund my way out to, um, a bunch of different Greco freestyle wrestling tournaments um, in the off season, you know, and uh, just working jobs and raising my own money for it. And uh, slowly, slowly and slowly, I just get better on the D3 level. Um, you know, my freshman year, I took third at the regional, which is good enough to qualify for nationals. Now, after mm-hmm. the year after it was good enough to qualify for nationals, but back then only top two went. And uh, our regional that year had like the most, um, all Americans. So then they started giving us a lot more bids and then it kind of came to like top three. It didn't, it, we went away from the bid system in D3. Um, so I took third, I pulled off some really big wins at the end there, mm-hmm. um, big duels and even at the regional, but it wasn't good enough to get the bid to go to nationals. So then, yeah, that summer and the summers to follow that I, I put in so much freaking work and it's kind of like, I found out a lot at, at, at Fargo and from those dark times, I kind of found out a lot about how I needed to frame my mind and, co- you know, in competition. And I just brought back the work ethic that I've been kind of used to my whole life. And so with those two parts working together, actually believing myself, actually just focusing on what I can control. And then the crazy work ethic, I just started to take off. And, uh, you know, I set the goal of being an all American the next year. But uh, because Steve told me to make realistic goals, but secretly I, I just, my goal was to be a national champ and even more, you know, <laughs> but I've always had to try and set a goal like higher than the goal. Like if I want to be an all American, I, I need to set the goal of being the best D3 wrestler right. in the whole country, you know, or right. like, if I want to be the NCAA champ, I need to say like, Hey, I want to be an Olympic champ. Like I always need to, it's really true for my story. And for me that like, you know, shoot for the moon, land among stars kind of thing and and to genuinely like set that goal like as a d3 guy wanting to be an olympian i think a lot of people just kind of thought i was like full of it or that i was just crazy but i meant it and that was the only reason why i even could be an ncaa champ at that level because if my goal is being an ncaa champ i never would have made it but yeah so that i put in like crazy amount of work you know summers of just working wrestling as soon as i get off work lifting after i wrestle you know waking you know getting a couple hours of sleep waking up doing a morning run and then doing it all over again and then going to any tournament i could find any training camp i could find and and doing that all summer um and just finding all these wrestlers around the area and building a little kind of 
a, a little wrestling paradise at Elmhurst College and, you know, having a lot of freedom and, and having a lot of different places where I had mat space where every single day, there were some days where I would bring in just like 50 guys from places that weren't even from my college, you know, to some random wrestling mat. And I would just use Facebook and stuff like that. And I would just have what? all these different guys from around the area, you know, you were guys possessed, back. dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was, there was practices where I'm just like, Hey, I got this, I got this world silver medalist in town. He's and anybody that wants to come from around the area, come see. And then we just got this guy named Georgie Kolchev just showing us technique. And it's like, who's in the room. It's not even Elmhurst guys. It's like, I'm, I'm in a room with mats with just, you know, 50 wrestlers from around the area. Like yeah. I just was, networking and just bringing everybody together and like you know there's this there's this crazy russian guy who's like a trucker and whenever he's in town i'm like hey come pummel with me you know <laughs> like they're just like all these people and a lot of it was like money ball a lot of it was like guys who for whatever reason people didn't want in the wrestling room because they were different or they were um mm -hmm. you know whatever and i just i always had the mentality that like i want to wrestle as many different styles and people as I can can possibly like ideally I want to go with someone different every day of practice if someone completely different because that's how tournaments are you know I never understood like wrestling the same guy every day like dude didn't you do um, that same thing this during when COVID hit didn't you go over to Europe and just do the kind of that same approach yeah yeah same approach with a little bit more funding behind me you know but like I've always just kind of worked with whatever I had and uh yeah I, I've always kind of just like when, when coaches let me take control, I'm, I get so much out of myself when, you know, or, or let me at least like build this crazy, you know, beautiful wrestling world that I have in my mind. And it, when it all comes together, it's crazy. And I feel like when I have people tell me like, like, yeah, no, you just stick to our plan that, uh, you know, sometimes it's not as good as, what I, what I feel like I can get accomplished if like we are more open to a bunch of different people. And uh, that is the one thing that's been harder for me um, in uh, D1 wrestling rooms in my senior level uh, like career is that like there's a lot more of an elitist approach. Um, if someone's not good enough, they don't deserve to be in our room. And uh, that's, not, that's not like always the case. Sometimes it's just a liability thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't have some random guy in a room, but you know, my dream one day would be have enough money to, you know, build something like what Mike Powell is doing right now. I always dreamed of just building a huge state-of-the-art wrestling facility that anybody can come to, like anybody, you know, and everybody's welcome. And um, I, I feel like it should be more of a workshop. It should be more of a group thing. We should be, you know, whether a wrestler is, you know, six years old and starting out or he's, he's 40, like, I feel like everybody can teach you something just like the Dan Gable quote. And, uh, yep. I think that, I think that practices should be more open and that they should be, people should be able to share more of what they're doing, what they're feeling, what they're seeing. And, uh, it's not always what we get in the traditional American wrestling practice, but anyways, I'm going, I'm going off the rails. That's here. okay. Tell but, us about the national title at Elmhurst. I got to know about that. Yeah. So that was really fought for hard, you know, like you see what I've done since and, you know, and you would think that it'd be easy for me to win a D3 title, but it, it was extremely hard for me to accomplish that, you know, and mm -hmm. I was an all American the next year, my sophomore year, you know, my first time going to nationals. And uh, another thing is throughout my whole career, I went and was a spectator or a training partner at the tournament. And, and then, you know, the year that I didn't make it, like at state, nationals, I was a training partner in my freshman year at nationals. And then the next year, you know, I saw the tournament. I saw what it's like. I saw what the winners are doing. I saw how the winners are wrestling. So then the next year, um, I had a really good tournament, and I ended up taking seventh. So I was an All-American. And then the next year, I'm doing so well um, that everybody thinks I'm going to win it. But I take third. I get upset in the quarters. It's devastating. I take third. And then my senior year, you know, I'm known, you know, as one of the best wrestlers in D3, like, college, you know, amongst the D3 yeah. division. But I still don't have a, you know, a title behind my name. So I almost felt like a fraud. 
but you know, I'm going and I'm placing at Midlands and uh, I'm doing well in international tournaments. So I feel like I did earn that, but I didn't have the national title. So it just like felt kind of like a fraud. So I had a lot of pressure on that, but it was just an amazing run that year. Um, I didn't win. I didn't lose a single match on the D3 level. We had some crazy situation at a tournament where they didn't let me wrestle the second day because they said we were a minute late to weigh-ins, but it was BS. So I took like two, technically two L's on the D3 level, but nobody beat me on the D3 level that year. Um, and, uh, and it was dominant, you know, mostly Texan pins. And uh, man, I finally had a team behind me. Like the whole time I loved my team there, but I finally had a team where we as a group believed that we could do something great. Mm-hmm. And we, us as a team, we took second in the country. It's our first trophy and it's our only trophy as a team. And, you know, before Steve, the team, the program was going to be cut. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I had this crazy vision that we could be national champs one day. And I don't think everybody realized that we could have been, you know, until we went and took second. And it was like, hey, guys, we could have won it, you know, but uh, <laughs> but it was uh, it was just one thing that I noticed compared to all the other top teams was that we had a lot more fun than anybody else. And we were, we were in the finals of like the national duels and we're wrestling Wartburg and they they looked like a military and we're all like singing songs and goofing around and, and like chasing each other and messing around. And, and, you know, I wouldn't trade that. I wouldn't trade a national title, you know, for all the fun I had with those guys, you know, and mm-hmm. we really were like, a, I guess, I guess what we call a bad news bears kind of team in <laughs> <laughs> all the greatest ways. And, uh, yeah, you know, the addition of like Mikey Benefield and, and these other guys too helped me tremendously. And uh, a lot of it was getting smarter, getting more efficient that senior year. And I think I did less work and got better results. And that was just me trying to be smarter. Mm-hmm. I think I worked too hard every year before that I was working too hard. So that senior year was kind of like learning how to be poised. Like Steve is really good at that. And Steve really works on me with the uh, sports psych, but, um, yeah, I went out and uh, I had a weird match in the finals. I almost lost the thing for myself, but I went out and I won it. And uh, yeah, it was, it was an amazing moment. Um, but yeah, it, the whole, the whole, you know, Elmer's college story had a lot of ups and downs. You know, I had a lot of crazy things happen. I almost left Elmhurst halfway through again. Um, what happened I was, I was going to try and wrestle for Northwestern and, uh, and, uh, you know, I had dreams of being a D1 wrestler, but I just didn't have the opportunity. So I placed at Midlands a couple of times and uh, I was going to I was going to try and go wrestle on a D1 level. But uh, I didn't. And uh, but I tried at one point. I tried to leave again and, and I feel bad about it. But I want to be I want to be a D1 champ. I want to be a D, D1 All-American. And I felt like I was good enough to be like when I wrestle these guys in the room when I wrestle them in tournaments, it's like, I can, I can wrestle on this level, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, I hate to admit it, but there was a lot of ups and downs. And what prompted that a lot too, was I, I was going through a lot of death in my like local community. I was having a lot of friends either overdose on heroin or they were, I had a couple of friends kill themselves. I remember mm-hmm. having that opportunity with Northwestern and saying no the first time, uh, no, you know, no to myself and everything. And then, when uh and this is very immature but mikey benefield came to my team and it wasn't mikey i love mikey but like somebody in mikey's like group you know reached out to me and was like yeah you better go up or down because mikey's coming and he's gonna be at 184 and like i felt like everybody was just telling me like i better get out of mikey's way and that's not who mikey is at all mikey's like the most chill dude he doesn't care he doesn't really have much of an ego Mm -hmm. you know but like his people did at first so I was like I was like screw that because the whole summer I was asking Steve like do you want me at 197 or 184 197 or 184 and I felt like he was just waiting to see if Mikey was going to get into our school and then Mikey did and he's like we want you at 197 now and then I had his like some of his people telling me like yeah I better get out of the way of Mikey at 184 so then I was like nah like I at first my reaction was like, so with that interaction and then with like, I had my friend Steve kill himself around the same time and thinking about life and thinking about like, 
hey, we only got one go at this. Like you always want to be D1 wrestler. And then having Mikey come and, and, and it was the wrong and immature like way to look at it. But I felt like, yeah, everybody was basically like, Mikey's so good. You better get out of his way. And I felt like I worked my whole, like I, I worked my butt off at the D3 level to get to the NCAA champ point. Mm-hmm. And then this guy kind of just came in and, and like they expected me to get out of the way. And so did Steve. But really, Steve was just trying to put the best lineup he could have. You know, right. if he could have a national champ at 97 and one at 84, then why wouldn't he want that? And I cut a ton of weight, but I was immature about it. And um, so what happened? So you're like, so, that's it. I'm out of here, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I'm out of here. I'm going I'm going to go to Northwestern. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> I, I, I did take the first couple of duels off my senior year. And while I like decided what I really wanted to do, Steve was like, all right, well, you can't come to practice then. And, uh, and that was kind of like, so that'd be 10 you know, times, dude. dude. Yeah, it was. And, um, so I was sitting in it and, uh, you know, yeah. And it was hard because a lot of it was immaturity. And a lot of it is like, I look like a lot of my decisions are misunderstood, but I've always taken the lens of like, Hey, we're all going to die. We all have limited time. We're like, and not everybody's going to understand why I'm doing this, but I, maybe that's morbid, but I, I keep that in the back of my mind with everything I do. Like, Hey, am I scared? May I lose? Or what, you know, could this go terribly wrong? It's like, yeah, but I'm going to die. I got one life, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that really hit me hard around then because my friend Steve killed himself. And then the whole Mikey Benefield thing was happening. And so that was like, I'm going to Northwestern. I always want to wrestle D1. I'm, I'm going to go wrestle D1. And uh, I had uh, I had the interesting thing was I would have had to finish Elmhurst College. So I would have had to graduate and then transfer over to Northwestern. You know, so then I would have sat out the year. It would have been basically like a redshirt year. Um, but I was sitting there, not a practice. And I felt like I was letting the whole team down because I was the captain. I was like the captain since day one, like Mm -hmm. vocally. And they told me that like when I was a freshman, we had a bunch of like stud seniors when I was a freshman at Elmhurst, but they all were kind of lead by example guys. And I'm like a loud mouth, but I also back it up, you know? (laughs) So they, they, you know, some of the assistant coaches told me right away, like, we need you to be like the vocal leader, like as a freshman. So I was like, fine. And like I said, everybody hated me until halfway through the year, but then they found out I was for real. And, but I was, I was a captain and I would say I was even more than a captain. Um, you know, I was almost, I was given so much like, you know, control and, and technically, you know, D3 coaches aren't allowed to coach anybody in the summer. You know, that's the NCAA rules. So mm-hmm. I basically was like coaching everybody all summer long, like anybody from Elmhurst who wanted to work out in the off season, I was running practices and I was doing all this stuff. Like I said, I was bringing people together from all over the area um, and traveling to people. Uh, I was driving all over the place, you know, and. Uh, so, so what you were sitting in like your dorm or something, you realized I can't leave these guys or how, how, what was like the turning point? Yeah. I just felt like our team, we finally have a run to get a trophy and I'm the captain, but I'm sitting here and, and I'm leaving, I'm leaving all my guys like in the dust, you know, like I'm, I'm not only letting Steve down, I'm letting, you know, and and there was weirdness on the team at that point. And Mikey came and he's like, man, like there was some animosity between me and him because of everything that happened in the starting, which like completely went away right away. Um, But like, it felt like there was a civil war on the team and that like, and everybody was just like, looked at me all the time for like the answers. And then I, I'd turn around and I'm like, Hey, I'm leaving guys. And a lot of guys on the team, I think it wasn't fair to them. And so I just decided to come back. And then the first tournament we, <laughs> I'd come back for, we both wrestle awesome. And it's me and Mikey Benefield in the finals. <laughs> and, uh, and like I said, the team's in like a civil war at this point, I haven't even like, nothing's been really said between me and Mikey. He's never done anything wrong to me. He's never like, he's never been anything but a good guy to me, but, it was my team and I basically was told to get out of my own spot to make mm-hmm. way for Mikey Benefield. So like, like I said, I was immature about it. Mikey was just a good dude the whole time, <laughs> you know, but there's a little civil war going. 
Um, and Mikey was this, you know, he was the best wrestler in the country as a high schooler. Yeah, people and, gotta realize for Illinoisans, Mike Benefield, Superman, was larger than life, dude. He he won like I remember when he lost to AKWO State in seventh grade, but other than that, he didn't lose from like fourth grade. You know, he won four state titles. He beat Albert White uh, for third and fourth at, at the Dvorak that year. Um, I think he did. Um, beat Jordan Blanton in one of those finals. Yeah, like, I mean, he won and, Fargo. And beat him bad. Um, you know, went to Oklahoma, went to Northwestern, went to Oklahoma State, was a rounded 12 guy, and then you just didn't find his way until coming to Elmhurst. So did you guys both win it that year? Yeah. But wow. that's what's crazy is that we, we get into the finals of the first tournament I come back, and Steve comes up to me. He's like, you know, you guys are from the same team. Do you want to wrestle? And I was like, hell yeah. But, like, I still was angry. I was like, I want to wrestle. Because, like, I felt like I was coming into college here. Mikey was coming in, you know, like, mm -hmm. off the camera. And I worked my butt off to, like, get even close to him. And he just comes to our school. And I was, I felt kind of betrayed a little bit, like immaturely. I felt betrayed by Steve because, like, I've been your guy since day one. I am a D3 guy. And you were you know, taking it personal. And he was just trying to make a better team. I was making it personal. Steve was just trying to make a better team. Mikey was just like, hey, man, I'm just, I'm just trying to wrestle, man. And, you know, like, I was, it wasn't fair to anybody. Um, you know, it definitely wasn't fair to Mikey, but I took it personal, you know, and uh, how, how, how could I not, you know, like yeah. I, I put my, my soul into this team, but, um, so what happened, but yeah, Mikey, Mikey and coach decided that it would be bad if we wrestled, and, but I was like, no, I want, I want to wrestle Like, let's go. And, and then from that point on, Mikey decided he was going to go 174. So I was going to go 184. He was going to go 174, which again, is not fair to Mikey. Uh, but you know, whatever I'm, I'm the 184 you know yeah. and uh and I worked my butt off and I was one of the best D3 wrestlers and um so he goes 174 and he misses weight at Midlands and then at that point he just decides I'm just jumping all the way up to 97 <laughs> no and he just he yeah and there was a couple losses in there for him and he's finding his way but by the time we got to nationals he pinned everybody he's he got the trophy for this. like the most pins in the fastest amount of time at nationals. So we both win nationals. We both have the same result, but we came from totally different places, right? Like here's, I don't know. You don't want to put it in a, in a, you know, a D3 title. It's not as easy to say D3, D2, D1, you know, because I've beaten D2 mm -hmm. champs I, and, 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 you know, I've beaten D1 all Americans, but like, let's say the D3 titles here, I'm starting down here. Mikey's starting way up here. But we find ourselves at the same point, and we both win a national title in like, in very dominant fashion. Like I think if Mikey wouldn't have been there, I would have won the most pins in the shortest amount of time. Like we right. both dominate, and like once we get past all that stuff in the starting, me and Mikey become good friends, and we both just have a lot of fun, you know, training mm -hmm. together, and and we had a lot of fun winning a national title together. And I think it was Mikey's like first time in a long time having fun in the sport which is really cool to see yeah and uh because i think he's been treated like a prized racehorse for so long he's been so freaking good and everyone around him just wants to help them win and win and and it's so serious all the time and and mikey's not a very serious like he's a champion but you know in his everyday life he's just a goofy guy like he's just a light-hearted guy he just mm -hmm. wants to like have fun i feel like you know and um so you know, we had the same result and we had a lot of fun and we took second as a team, even though we only brought five guys to nationals, we had all five guys, all American. And, uh, yeah, it was a hell of a run. Dude, um, that's crazy. And then you had, and then, so we can't even get to it today, unfortunately, but sorry. Yeah. No, man. no, this is awesome, dude. I, I didn't know a lot about the stuff with, with, um, with Benefield and with, with your family situation. But so that same year, 2014, you win D3s. Then you go and make your first world team. Is that right? Yeah, so I win D3s in, in, in uh, 2013. And 2013. then I make my world okay. team. I make my world team. And guess where it's at? It's in Fargo. <laughs> I make a world team in 14. So, like, when I leave Elmhurst College, everybody that cares about me is trying to talk me out of a senior-level wrestling career because I feel like they just cared about me and they are trying to protect me. But, yeah, and – and I, um, there was a couple of points where I almost 
turned back and went to Chicago because I was training on Minnesota. But um, wait, so how does that work? Just you're like, done with college, like you're like I want to be a senior level wrestler. Where did you go? Like, what was your first RTC? Well, it would it was Minnesota Storm, but it never would have happened if like every summer in between. Yeah, I wasn't like knocking on every door and showing up to Greco tournaments and freestyle tournaments. And mm-hmm. I think even D one guys, but definitely D three guys. They're like, why would I go to like the sun kiss or why would I go to NYAC or why would I go to the U S open? Like, I'm just going to get my butt kicked. And that's like, that's exactly why I'm going. And this is where I, this is what I want to do. So it, it was like four years of college and me just paying for my way out to these camps and these tournaments on the on the senior level and nobody really not really getting anywhere but seeing how it works and then as soon as I was done with Elmhurst that's kind of why there was like a lot of underneath the iceberg going on there while I was at Elmhurst I was actively pursuing Greco and nobody really was uh helping me out there weren't like too many breakthroughs but there was a lot of small moral victories and, and some huge lessons so you know I'm actively working for it, but I'm calling the Olympic training center and all these people. And they're all like, they don't even know who I am, even though I've been there multiple times, you know, <laughs> you know, and, uh, um, they don't even know who they're talking to because they're like, Oh, who, uh, and I was I'm talking to national team coaches, you know, cause I'm trying to go out to the Olympic training center. And I'm like, yeah, I paid for my way to go out to camp, like at least once a year, if not a couple of times, but you know, I'm just some kid, you know, they don't remember me. Um, and I'm actively emailing and, and calling people, nobody's interested in me. And, uh, I go out through Augsburg college. Um, they plugged me in with Minnesota storm and, uh, you know, they talk to me, I'm, I, I win my national title. I'm doing like celebratory sprints because <laughs> I was a little bit crazier back then. And, um, uh, you know, the coach from Augsburg College, he reached out to me and he's like, hey, I know you want to wrestle Greco. Like, we're starting something big here, you know, because there always is Minnesota Storm. But yeah. this is going to be like a way bigger thing where we're paying athletes to be in Minnesota and train in Minnesota. And and I was like, Perfect. hell yeah, man. Um, sign me up. So I get on. I go back to Elmhurst. You know, we celebrate my birthday and, and the national title and. I get a phone call from Jordan home and it's like, I don't know, 8 PM at night and I'm in Elmhurst, Illinois. And he's just like, he gives me all the information on, on Minnesota storm. And, and I'm freaking pumped. And he's like, yeah, you know, if, if you want to try out, we have practice tomorrow at 6 AM. And I'm just like, I'm just like, all right, I'll be there. So I hop in my like little uh, Volkswagen golf and I just gun it to Minnesota in the middle of the night. And uh, there's a blizzard. It's like this time of year, but there's like one of these blizzards, you know, all through Wisconsin. <laughs> and like, I'm in a Volkswagen Golf, so I'm driving like 40 miles per hour and there's little cars going off the side of the road. Like there's cars and ditches. And I'm just like trying not to spin out in my golf. I get there at 6 a.m. And the workout is a basketball game. <laughs> and I was like so pissed because I didn't sleep. And, but I really think it was like, let's see, let's see if this kid, like means what he says let's see how yeah let's see his level of dedication here and I think Jordan <laughs> Jordan's a madman but he he helped me out so much but yeah I I show up I get there at 6 a.m on no sleep and we play basketball and I meet the guys and then the real tryout is at 3 p.m that's when the coach is going to be that's when we're going to wrestle so I'm sleeping on a, a a guy a college guy's recliner in his dorm room from like 7 a.m to 3 p.m and they're all calling me because i'm so tired that like i'm i'm uh, i almost miss practice Sleeping so like it. i like yeah. tommy boy it, like i chug an energy drink and i'm running across campus and i bust into the room and um coach chandler's there from minnesota storm and i have like the practice of my life and i and i think it's because again i was so tired and so unprepared that <laughs> that and uh, that I couldn't think much. I couldn't try and control the situation because, uh, you know, <laughs> I was, was running out of at that point. Yeah. And I go out there and I have a hell of a practice. And they're, they're, Chandler is like waiting uh, at the end of practice with like a Minnesota Storm sweater. And he's like, you want to wrestle for Minnesota Storm? And I'm like, hell yeah. You know, and like I'm actively 
trying to find a team and, and they let me come. And that didn't mean that they were going to start paying me or anything. That just meant that now I have a coach. Now I have some teammates. And, uh, but I still got to finish college. Um, so at that point, go back to Elmhurst. I'm finishing out college and I'm actively still going to wrestling camps like Olympic Training Center and all this stuff like that. Elmhurst, another like huge advantage of being at a D3 school, the whole school like rallied behind me and supported me. I felt like mm-hmm. I heard other athletes like that they their teachers hated them because they're an athlete and special treatments and like that. Like my most of my professors were at my dual meet. And then when I said like, hey, I got to leave for three weeks, to go to Olympic Training Center. They were just like, go, go, man. Like, I think wow. it was just people learned that like I was doing something different, you know, like in the starting of my time at Elmhurst, I was having security guards kick me out uh, when I was working out way too late. Cause sometimes I work out in the middle of the night, yeah. you know, like it's like 11 PM or 1 AM or like they'd kick me out of the facility. <laughs> and then it turned into before I left, like the security guys were talking to me and they, they, they would talk to me every night and they're just shooting, you know, shooting the shit with me and they, they love me. You know what I mean? So like my, everybody around me was supporting me. So I'm finishing college and I'm writing papers from afar and, and doing everything I need to do while I'm at the Olympic training center and stuff like that. And I show up to the U S open in April and I have a hell of a tournament and I took fourth, didn't win it, but I took fourth and I beat some big names. And all of a sudden I'm like the hot girl in school. Now all of a sudden everybody wants me, but I had to stay loyal to Minnesota storm because they, they're the ones that actually wanted to give me a chance before they saw like, you know, yeah. me take fourth at the open. So yeah, at that point, there was some temptation to go to Olympic training center and some other places after that. Um, Cause people saw that performance, but Minnesota saw something in me before that. So you learned you your know, lesson this as, time. Yeah. Right. As soon as I graduated. Exactly. And that's a big thing is learning lessons from your past mistakes. But as soon as I graduated, I was like, like I I'm going to Minnesota guys. <laughs> You just you know, moved into and, a little apartment up there. Or? Yeah, I, I first moved in with a pastor. I was living in my, <laughs> the upstairs of a pastor's duplex for three months, and then I moved on to my buddy's couch. So when I made the world team, I was living on a couch. Wow! So you represent yeah, so, Team USA the following year, and your that's your living situation. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So what I have, we have ten minutes left until I have to go, and I should have booked way more time for this because we could talk all day. From 2014, no, dude, don't apologize. This is awesome. From 2014 through now, you've been a staple on the world. You know, on on the national team, you made the world team a couple times since then. Um, This April, the Olympic trials, an atrocity happened. Uh, We don't have to go into what happened, um, but you were involved in an atrocity, in my opinion. What is happening next? Is there any hope for any type of re-wrestle, rematch type of a situation? And what happened in your eyes, I guess? Yeah, um, appreciate you saying that. And and um, yeah, I, I wish we didn't have to do this, but um, a lot of great things have happened and there's a, there's a huge chance. I think we're going to get that chance. And, uh, Fuck and yeah, let's go. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited, man. I'm excited. I think we're going to get that chance. I think we got a great case. Um, we raised the money the 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 wheels are in motion basically we go to we go to the usopc we tell them like hey we need action on this like formally we need action on this and normally what's going to happen is they're going to say like no and then we then we have to say we demand arbitration yeah and then at that point we should win arbitration and so have you done uh, that yet or not yet yeah that that's all that's all happening right now as we speak, basically. So, 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 um, we will probably go into arbitration really soon and we should get matches really soon. And if, if for whatever reason it doesn't work, like, man, like I gotta love the wrestling community around me for trying for helping, you know, because I didn't know how I was going to go on, like, especially everything I've been through. Like, I didn't know how I was going to be on with like, go on as a coach even, with this like being the end of my story. And that's like, I think something that um, why coach Powell and, and coach Madeline are, are pushing me to fight this and a bunch of other people that care about me and people in the wrestling community, because they're like, this can't be the end to your story, man. <laughs> you know. So uh, had you beaten that guy before who you wrestled? I've never, 
I've never wrestled them before, but I never had problems with them in practice. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but he, he was at the weight lower than me. Um, oh, and he moved up this. for the Olympic year type of yeah. deal? Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, I think we got a really good chance. And I think if I get that chance, I think I'm going to win. And, and I'm confident. And, uh, you know, no matter what happens, I'm going to feel a lot better that, that we left no stone unturned, you know, because it wasn't fair to any of us yeah. that this happened. You know, I wish that I didn't have to be doing this right now. I don't like pleading my case. I don't like having fundraise. I don't like, it, it's great that everybody's supporting me. It, it's amazing. It's overwhelming. Uh, it humbles me, but like, I wish that we would have just had a level playing field when we were at trials, because it's not fair to John. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to anybody who's, who's trying to have the team set and get ready for Tokyo. You know, mm -hmm. it's not fair to anybody, but that's why somebody should have stepped up, you know, because coach Madeline did try and get the, the ref changed right. and they wouldn't, they wouldn't step up. They wouldn't do that. And, and I'll um, say I'll say it because I don't know if you can. What happened was there was a wrestler from the Marines, the officials from the Marines. You can guess the rest of what happened there. And they had requested yeah. to change the ref. They denied the request, which to me doesn't make any sense. Why would you deny that? Um, and so, you know, I've, I posted a ton about it. Um, Medlin posted. Yeah, I appreciate it. Oh, dude, it's, it's infuriating because yeah, wrestling is a filthy, filthy sport, especially on the international level. But it sometimes... Yeah it trickles into the United States and it just pains me to know that our favorite sport is ripe with corruption. It's ripe with bribing people like y'all Romero taking second, like seven times. Like, how does that happen? I mean, yeah, it's yeah. like the amount of, it just, it, it is a huge bummer when you finally find out that wrestling, at least on the international level is ripe with corruption. And I don't know if this was like a planned situation where there's money involved, but this is just someone's personal bias. And, absolutely ridiculous the tech fall was in hand and then he stops the move i i can't even believe what we were watching so i do think uh i've had had adam terapelli on the show after that and we kind of broke down all the matches but we got to yours because he's an illinois guy and yeah. um i mean university of illinois but uh he was saying that he thinks athletes pretty much always win an arbitration so gotta you know for what it's worth he thinks he got a good shot i know that mike's been helping you and hopefully we get some of these big time firms in Chicago, like the Sidley Austins of the yeah. world on the case and helping <laughs> yeah. you out, man, because you know, we want to see you out there, but even if you don't win this thing, bro, your story, you have the, uh, the ability to impact so many kids lives. who aren't from those families where they have wrestling parents or they're not from the families where they could afford to go to overtime. Like you have a, yeah. a real purpose in life and a real mission ahead of you irrespective of what happens here. And I don't know why you're not the Greco coach at the beat the streets facility, because that is, <laughs> that's your mission, brother. So, I mean, you are just beginning your journey, in my opinion, the amount of impact you're going to have. So I appreciate you coming on here, sharing the story and we're going to follow this closely. And you got the whole Illini, the whole wrestling changed my life nation behind you, dude. Um, Thanks so much, man. Dude, I appreciate I, it. I can't tell you how many times someone's been like, bro, you got to get Joe Rao on the show. <laughs> and a shout out to my man, Dominic Angelo, who's that coach at St. Pat's. Oh, heck yeah. He's one of my good friends. We hang out all the time. Um, I didn't know you know Dom. That's oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, good friends. Yeah. Thanks again, Joe. We'll talk to you, man. Yep. Have a good one. Thank you. Take care. And that's the end of this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Thank you so much for tuning in. To watch the full video interview, Go to YouTube, Wrestling Changed My Life. And that's it. We'll see you next time.